This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been looking at this book called The Great Dechurching, Who's Leaving, Why Are They they Going, and What Will It Take to Bring Them Back? And so we began just looking at some broad statistics about evangelicals that have left the church and why they've left. And then what happens is that the book breaks it down into categories. And we've been going through those separate categories over the last little while. If you've missed any of those shows, just go back and catch them on our podcast, The Gospel for Life, and then you can listen to those. And what we're finding is that as we work through all of this, it's it's really hard because we're dealing with statistics, but the statistics deal with people. And so each individual has a story. Each individual has reasons why they were once in church and have decided to leave. And for the most part, the categories that we've looked at so far are categories that we could relate to, that we've had experience with. Um, the category today is actually called BIPOC, it's black, indigenous, and people of color. Now, I can't speak for everybody in the room, but I have lived in two places generally in my life. One is Western Iowa, where the population is 94% white. And I've lived in Idaho, and I don't know the stat here, but at least in the region where I live, it is probably about the same percentage. And so this has not been a group of, of de-churched individuals that I've had a lot of contact with. And it's interesting as you begin, and this is maybe getting into the weeds of statistical work, and I find it fascinating, and I apologize up front if you as the listener don't. But as they're creating these categories, what they've done is as you put data into an algorithm, you can highlight what what statistics the algorithm has access to. Mm-hmm. And so they deliberately didn't allow the algorithm, the computer programming, to have access to race and ethnicity. And so what happens is this group that is 100% non-white was created not because they're non-white. The group was actually created because of other characteristics. And then after the category was formed, the authors came along and looked at it and said, oh, wait a minute. Everybody in this particular category is non-white. Mm-hmm. So in, in the in the in the algorithm only saw education, political and cultural preferences, doctrinal matters, and willingness to return to an evangelical church. Those were the that was the algorithm for this category. <clears throat> and so in this particular one, 
it's it's really hard. Are we are we talking about race? Are we not talking about race? Is race um, secondary? Is is race primary? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this one, if we might be completely forthright, gives us a little bit of angst because we're we're not exactly sure how to approach it, um, how to to think in terms of it, and our own personal interactions have been pretty limited in scope. And there's data that we just don't know. Well, um, I, and I would say that you know the one de- piece of data that we do know about this is that this this group, when it came to the doctrines of faith, were the most unorthodox of all groups. So, I mean, we can speak to the unorthodoxy there. I mean, here's here's a group that may have, if they were churched at any time, it was probably churched along the line of a social connection rather than on uh, a doctrinal belief. So when you look at this particular group as it compares to the other categories, there are five items that made their top ten that were rarely seen in the other lists. And maybe that's the best way to approach this. So this group, one, faith just wasn't working for them. Two, they had other priorities for their time and money. Three, suffering changed their views of God in the congregation. Four, they didn't see the congregation doing enough good in the community. And then fifth, the messages were not relevant to my life. So those five, in some ways, help create this list. And this is always the, the difficulty when you're dealing with, with, with data. This creates this non-white group. And is it because they're non-white that, <laughs> that this list is also true for them? Or is this list, yeah, the direction is always a little bit tricky. Yeah, my own take is like, you know, for our discussion, you know, those reasons can be regardless of race race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it should be, um, you know, as for those who maybe aren't familiar with the term BIPOC, you know, the first time I heard it came out of the summer of 2020, you know, with the George Floyd riots and, and all of those things. And there's kind of this new group that formed that society began talking about of uh, being, you know, in this group of BIPOC non-whites. And I think as a church, you know, one of the things that we can look at, I mean, it, it kind of, it does depend on our setting, whether where, where we're at, um, you know, in Seattle, it was more, when I was there, it was more diverse city than, but here, even in the Treasure Valley, where the demographics are changing, mm-hmm. I mean, it's becoming, um, it's still predominantly white, but it's becoming more and more evened out. Mm-hmm. And that'll just continue. So, you know, as we consider our churches, I think it's good for us to consider the a, a desire to have our congregations be something of a snapshot of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is not one race. It's, it's fine that, you know, there are certain races get along better together. So there's naturally going to be this division but really one of the things I pray for for my own church is that we would have a little snapshot of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that, that we wouldn't be uh, one demographic, whether that's race-related or um, money-related or whatever it might be, that we would have, uh, that God would give us this kind of 
overview and that and that kingdom. mission context that uh, you know the the color of your sunday begins with the color of your week yeah. and uh, and and how you minister how you care for one another in your own mm-hmm. uh, social network in your workplace in your school wherever uh, these individuals are I, I i keep coming back to the fact that uh, this group of de-church people they had the lowest overall agreement with the basic tenets of christian theology the belief in the trinity the reliability of the bible the divinity of of jesus uh, his sinlessness his atonement his resurrection his exclusivity as a savior so whatever church they had been a part of mm-hmm. taught them nothing Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that that this is the group that seems to have the people that have bounced around in churches. Yeah, average six and a half churches. Hmm. <laughs> you know, always, <laughs> always, always looking, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Hmm. And and I think part of that is that, and maybe the guys in the room are going to disagree on this, but I tend to to lean towards long term ministry. Mm-hmm. that I think it's healthiest for a congregation to have a pastor there for a while. Um, I know that goes against the trend of people that they come and then they leave in a couple of years and they come and, and they leave in a couple of years. But I think it's it's good for a congregation to have a long-term ministry from a pastor. But I also think it's good for the person in the pew to be committed to the particular church, that they've put down their roots they they not only create relational aspects within the church, but as Jonathan is saying, that that they create roots in orthodoxy. That mm-hmm. they grow yeah. in their knowledge of who God is, yeah. and they grow in grace. And this group has not. And and wherever they came from, I uh, th- it was also interesting of this category. They are one of the higher educated categories, yes. uh, one of the highest educated. So uh, these people have left whatever roots they had, f- followed uh, professional development, and uh, that you know whether it's through education or workplace, they follow those professional del- developments, and they've not been involved in a church like the one they left. They've not been involved in in church, so they've they've actually move from one one culture to another whether maybe they move from uh, you know from the south or from uh, you know I mean we're talking about people of color so we're talking about people that they could be uh, they they could be refugees from another country they could be uh, you know you know people that have uh, migrated from you know South America Mexico they could have been growing up in the in the deep south and they've left the culture that they were part of and for upward mobility they've left it for you know professional educational reasons and they're not back in those communities again mm-hmm. i'm going to say a statement that maybe doesn't make any sense but it's not that much different than what i normally do anyway yeah, so it's not surprising race shouldn't matter and race matters mm-hmm. and and as we interact with other people Race shouldn't matter in the fact that all of us are created in the image of God. We, we love one another because of the work of, of God in, in hearts and lives and that everybody are image bearers. And so I, I've always been raised and, and, and have lived hopefully seeing color but not seeing color. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Um, right. you're, you're, you're one of God's 
people. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we say we don't see color, we don't mean that we devalue a person's experiences, That's culture, right. and background, and, and ethos that comes with all of that. That we do value that, but we're also not going to define them that way that's correct we're not gonna put them inside a box and say well that's all that they are yeah we're first and mm-hmm. foremost as you said russ um image bearers of god regardless of what the level of melanin we have in our skin and so sometimes i think the church struggles with making too much of race mm-hmm. or making too little of race well i also say i think that uh, you know what we have in this description we have these people that perhaps they you know let's talk about um, nationalities you know you might have a korean presbyterian church well now you have a second generation the first generation only spoke korean the second generation uh, is uh, you know bilingual now their now their cultural involvements are away from their church and so they so depending on how well they were discipled in that church they're going to look for that a church that disciples the same way but now they don't have either of those things mm-hmm. they don't have the discipleship they don't have the culture and they're just adrift when when we look at this group I think at the end of the day, we we have to improve our own cultural and emotional intelligence that we, we, we actually hear the stories that each of them has. But I, I don't think it has to be just a story about race. Don't, don't make it that, that. Everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we just as a church need to be better at hearing people's stories and entering into the journey that they've been on. And, and it might be that it relates to race and it might be that it just relates to their circumstances of life and it doesn't really matter we just have to to be better about engaging with people as people and hopefully that then has a, an effect of this group that maybe we don't have a ton of interaction with but at the end of the day we should still have a heart to see people that are outside of a church to come back in and be a mechanism for that yep. well thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow